Hey everyone, it's Brian with Wildcat Radio. I hope you enjoy this next episode with Adam and Brett. One quick item was that Adam's official microphone wasn't recording, so you're going to get his computer audio rather than the regular nice microphone. So a little bit of a discrepancy in the sound quality from uh, past episodes, but still think it's a good show and wanted to post it for you. Hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, joined some other conferences around the country and said, no fall football. And in, st- in doing that, they've also said they're aiming for spring football. Now, whenever that means, like March, January, just they're pushing football back and really no sports at all is what they said until January 1st, 2021. Yeah, it's a sad week for me on the pod, Adam, because uh, fall sports getting pushed back in the Pac-12 and Ronnie's not here and I'm stuck here with you. So, you know. 2020, man. I'll try to I'll try to keep it together and power through. Please. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about it in the last pod with Ronnie. I think we're not surprised by this. Um, and I think people generally know our opinions on this. We did not want this to happen in the sense of we want to see college sports, but it was very apparent that the complete and utter lack of planning and the leadership and the liability issues combined with players starting to organize and how do you keep players in a bubble or students in a bubble or treat student athletes differently than students in terms of keeping them in a bubble all raises more problems for everybody than, uh, than, uh, than solutions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the the good thing about making the decision to just push it back and not kind of do the death by a thousand cuts of, you know, we'll see where we're at in two more weeks or two weeks after that, uh, or trying to get a, you know, do the MLB model and be the Miami Marlins and have a game and then be like, Oh, well now we got to cancel this. So as long as, as long as you win that game, I guess it's, you know, you're undefeated. I mean, if some of these other conferences go through with trying to have a season this fall, they may become the, the Miami Marlins of college football. But, and then that's like maybe the worst outcome, right? That, that is, I think that's part of it right there. Like everyone who's an Arizona fan, ASU fan, if you're a PAC 12 fan, you're obviously frustrated that PAC 12 isn't the only conference to do this. But other conferences, still the Big 12, the SEC, as of now, they say they plan on playing a fall schedule. So if you're a Pac-12, like it's, we all want the same thing. We all want football. We all want it done safely, right? And if the SEC can get through a fall football season or if the Big 12 can get through a fall football season and not have a major outbreak, then you're going to look at the Pac-12 and be like, what the hell? Like this was doable, Right. But until that time comes, like right now, the Pac-12, like you said, they made the decision. Instead of the death by a thousand cuts, they made the decision, a painful one, one that they, I'm sure, did not want to make, and are now kind of kicking the can down the road to say, maybe we can plan for that better than we were planning for a fall football season. But if these other conferences pull it off, that changes the perception of everything. And that's all hindsight. We won't know for 
you know, four months, five months, six months, if it was a good idea or not, but that's where it is right now. Yeah. I think it allows you to, if you, if you set, you know, the decision is made, you're pushing to 2021. It allows you to focus, focus more on actually developing a comprehensive plan rather than trying to Jimmy rig something in the interim and reacting to potential outbreaks. And what do you, if this, then this, Mm -hmm. uh, on the fly, uh, so hopefully this means you can get better procedures in place. Obviously, there's massive complications if you try to do football in 2021 and trying to have two seasons in one season. I think you probably mass. My thought uh, would be I think you should just do like Pac-12 South and Pac-12 North all play each other only and really shorten the season to keep the the, the numbers down. You could still do a championship game, I guess. Whoever. Yeah. And then and that would that'd be my, one of my ways of thinking about. Uh, approaching it, you know, um, keeping the games down. You have to think about eligibility for players for red shirts. You know, the four game rule is probably out the window for this <laughs> season for a for freshman to red shirt. But it, at least now you buy, uh, <laughs> you get the monkey off your back that's yelling at you of uh, I want to play football and the ticking the ticking clock, uh, the ticking time bomb of the, the calendar moving closer and closer. Uh, because I think, you know. <laughs> The cynic in me says, oh, maybe the SEC will pull it off and not having outbreaks at them. They just won't test. <laughs> like, like, was it Chip Kelly was like, we haven't had any uh, any outbreaks on our team since July 7th, you know, the last time we did any tests. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's the wrong answer. Yeah. Well, oh, boy. I, I look at it and people I've seen were like, well, what difference does spring make, right? And it's like, well, in theory, by spring, there could be a vaccine. There could be therapeutics. All these things that time, like, Back in March, time was college football, or just football as a whole's best friend. That was your biggest ally, was time, because you figure, given three months, four months, five months, this could be minimized, the risk could be minimized, and treatments and stuff could be on the rise. Like, we could have those things. Well, time has run out to have a normal football season for some of these conferences, including the Pac-12. And and you mentioned it, Brad, like, it, it creates an interesting situation if they do have a spring football season. Now, we don't want to see... Like, I don't think any of us wants to say, let's just punt on the 2020 season, no spring football, and start again in 2021. Like, that's a long time to go without this. And for some of these players and their eligibility and all that, it gets, it's going to get really messy no matter what. And, like, I do wonder, like, for Arizona specifically, right, and this isn't just football. There's a lot of sports that are any fall sport has to wait. Anything that's going to start in the fall has to wait until at least January 2021. And that's, of course, assuming that things are better in January 2021. But the one thing that I don't think it – people might say it should have changed the perception of what the Pac-12 was going to do, but the players had their we-want-to-play movement. And that, that got a lot of traction, and it didn't, it didn't shock me that they were like that because for so many reasons, if, I understand why any player would opt out of playing in a fall, but it doesn't surprise me in the least that the majority want to play. Because there's one, you don't get to that level of college football without being like loving the game and feeling like you're really damn good. And if you feel like that, if you have that confidence, you have that air of, I'm not going to get sick, it doesn't matter. And even if they think they are going to get sick, they think it's going to be nothing and they'll be back on the field, no problem, which might be the case for most of them. But the unknown, and that's what the Pac-12 was talking about with like the heart issues that come from this, it's just like, I tweeted it out and I really believe this. It's not a perfect comparison. But players, especially in the NFL, when they have a concussion, a lot of them want to go right back on the field. Because it's not a broken leg. It's not a torn knee. Like, you can play, as far as you know, you're fine, right? Because you don't feel anything. You could physically go out there and play football. 
but it doesn't make it the right thing to do. And when it comes to the COVID-19 stuff, the coronavirus, most of those players, like, I'll be honest, most probably would get through the season healthy. You know, especially if they track everything, you know, they're testing people every few days, they catch them that won't spread as long, as far and wide, probably. You know, if they're still masking up in the weight room and doing all that, it probably wouldn't be a huge issue. But what happens when that one outbreak does happen, that one player gets deathly ill, or that one person is in the 0.005% of that age group who dies? Are people going to say, well, that was worth it? Like, that's, that's, that's so tough. Well, and it's and it's not just the players, right? It's yeah. the coaches, it's the staff, it's the the significant others of the players, or their roommates, or their family, and there's there are non-death outcomes that are also very serious health outcomes potentially long term. That in reality, there's some, there's some like early, you know, things on heart heart issue, cardiac issues, but like the reality is nobody really knows. Mm-hmm. And that opens up a whole can of worms of risks and liability from the, the school and the conference's perspective that you can understand how we got here. And I think your point is right that, like, I mean, you can make the same argument that, like, I want to go into my office today and I'm willing to take that risk. That doesn't mean it's the smart thing for everyone else around, right? right. And you can't – this is the, – the challenge of quarantine and social distancing is – even if 95% of people are doing things the right way, the whole population is still highly at risk because of the 5%, right? And I yeah. think that's part of the fundamental challenge, uh, not even going into the the players uh, having, shall we say, different restrictions or <laughs> treatment than typical students, right? That the NCAA doesn't want to touch with a million-foot pole mm-hmm. until they absolutely have to, right? There is some talk that the Pac-12 is doing this in part because of the other movement that the players had about possibly getting paid as well, and who knows. <laughs> this, but I, I also could see that, other than the fact that these schools are going to lose a lot of money by not playing football. You know, a lot more money than like, okay, the paying players thing, that's, that's been a thing for a while now, that movement. And most of this was COVID-19 related, but the, the schools are losing so much money by not having football. And part of it, oh, yeah. too, I was reading, like, Arizona has really good testing protocols in place. And we've talked about this before. All it takes is that one team that doesn't. What about Utah's program? Or like you said, UCLA. How they haven't had an outbreak since the last time they tested, right? Like all it takes is that one slip in the conference and all of a sudden you have that outbreak no matter how good a job you've been doing. And for a lot of these players, really for everybody, your point was great was that it's you can do this and you're fine. Like most people could probably social distancing, quarantining, social or like, you know, sheltering in place. It's hard because as far as you know, you're not sick. As far as you know, your friends aren't sick. It's like, and if no one's sick, you're not going to get sick. But because asymptomatic spread is a thing, you just don't know. And that's what makes this so frustrating for a lot of people. And I get it for these players. I absolutely do because I mean, Grant Jaden Mitchell had his thing about how sick he got. So it, it's a real thing. And I don't imagine Arizona players that know him and stuff are like, oh, whatever, that's, that's, you know, that's a hoax. I know they know, just none of them think they're going to get sick. And that's understandable. Like, why would you think you're going to get sick, especially with, I'm imagining, really good protocols that U of A has had in place since they got there? That probably feeds into their confidence of, we can do this without getting sick. So that's probably a credit to Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I think... All indications are that Arizona has handled this as a school incredibly well, or as well as you could possibly hope. And even then, there was still a handful of cases, but it seems like they kept them relatively under control. Now, at the same time, uh, football players got on campus and doing workouts before most of the student body shows Mm -hmm. up, right? And 
not even going into the fact of, like you said, like it only takes one person to slip up. What about when you're picking people go through an airport and somebody in the security line, you know, is an asymptomatic person that unintentionally spreads it to one player on the team and then they're in practice and they, that's, you know, there's every time you travel, you go through something like that, the more people you interact with, you're just exponentially increasing the risk for literally everyone around you. Uh, and that's where it's just, it's the thing that people don't want to get their arms around. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like the the five stages of uh, five stages of death, and I think people are <laughs> gradually coming around to acceptance. There is like anger and bargaining in there for a little while, and you know, I mean, I we we see it personally in our in our friends and family, and people are frustrated are frustrated with the, you know, the the realities of COVID nineteen and how mm-hmm. we live our lives. But you know, I will say I think it's probably the smart decision now that the big challenge is how do you figure out how to make you know, salvage any spring season and what implications does that have for next fall, right? Um, and hopefully, if nothing else, if 165,000 American deaths didn't do it, maybe college football not happening will make that those those holdouts that refuse to wear a mask finally wear a mask out of, you know, the morning of the football season. <laughs> Well, Brent, there is a lot to talk about in terms of where these programs go next. Let's get into the future for Arizona football and basketball and what this break from action could mean right after this break. So, Brent, let's just, for the sake of optimism, assume that come January 1, football can happen safely, basketball can happen safely, sports can happen safely, and hopefully life (laughs) outside of college athletics can happen more safely, right? Like there's vaccines, there's therapeutics. The risk, the danger, the fear of COVID-19 is significantly decreased. Arizona, I imagine they're going to try to have a college football season. Maybe they start in February, although that's like a winter start time works great in Arizona, not so much in like Colorado or Washington, right? Utah. Or Utah. Like, so that's, that's why they would need spring, whereas Arizona could have home games in the early part. So maybe... You get a really loaded home schedule, or you do divide up just Pac-12 South and Pac-12 North, but the North, they have to wait till like, March because they're going to be playing in the snow every game. But let's say that does happen. We'll start with football. I guess on the bright side, Jamari Joyner would be totally healthy, you'd think, by then. And the coaching staff, if they do have access to their players and practices, will get that offseason that they didn't get, right? They'll have them on campus. They'll have them working out, learning the defense, so that fear of they're going to have to start the season already way behind, that, in theory, is minimized. On the flip side, there's going to be some players on this team who probably decide not to play a spring college football season. The Schooler brothers, for instance, who I don't think either of them look at themselves as day one or day two NFL draft picks, but they also could be the type of players, especially Colin Schooler, who doesn't have any more to prove at the college level to increase his draft stock. Now, he, not to say he would have skipped his senior season. He didn't go pro for a reason. But you lose him, I would say, like not guaranteed, I'm not breaking or reporting this, but it's very possible you lose someone like him. And there's going to be other players too say, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm just going to focus on the NFL. It's, it's going to be messy, but it's going to be messy for everybody. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think Thanks. a team like Arizona, I think Colin School. I was trying to think when you were speaking, I, I think you're right on Colin Schooler, um, especially if we're operating under the assumption that the NFL draft date won't move, which the, I think the NFL has basically indicated they don't have no plans to move. Nope. The draft. They don't want to do that. 
Um, and the NFL is probably considerably more likely to maintain having a season this fall, and they don't want to break off of their schedule. So I think there's going to be a whole slew of ramifications of roster management and things like you're talking about. I think a lot of the high-end guys that think they have aspirations for the NFL will opt out. I think Colin Schooler is definitely one who could be that. I'm, I struggle to think of too many other guys well, on Arizona's I guess roster. 19 scholarship seniors for Arizona. I'm reading an AZ Desert Swarm article uh, from Brian Peters, who does a great job breaking down actually what football, what this would mean for Arizona football. He says there are 19 seniors on the teams. And obviously there's like the grad transfers too, like Blackwell and some of the other guys they got where you could see a world where they say, well, I'm already old enough. I'm, I'm going to go pro now, or I'm going to take my shot at the NFL. I mean, for Arizona, I think that the, the, that list is a shorter list that realistically have an NFL chance. I think there's probably... Well, it doesn't have to be realistic, though. That's the thing. They well, can just yeah. decide it's in their best interest. I mean, I, yeah. Oh, and I think a lot of those guys that... You know, there's there's a lot of ramifications in that I think that the NCAA or the conferences would be wise to temporarily increase roster sizes if you're going to not have people um, burn eligibility, right? Or if they are, like we talked about a couple weeks back, if... Uh, you know, a true freshman comes on campus in January, are they eligible to play right away? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think if you're going to do right by the players, I think you need to relax a lot of the rules around the roster limits in terms of how many scholarship players you can have around red shirts eligibility. I think, you know, and I think you should encourage, in, in fact, more, you know, more teams playing more players because when you're going to be this rusty, and a lot of young guys are probably going to be stepping up because a lot of those NFL types are going to are going to just opt out. And with, you know, maybe not limited, but a, certainly a different approach to getting ready for the season than anybody is used to on a different schedule. That's where games are probably going to be sloppy as hell. And that's where injuries tend to happen more often. And that's where, you know, having fatigue can contribute to injuries, etc. Um, I think for Arizona there's the, the list of guys that are going to opt out for the NFL is lower. There might be some seniors that just say, you know what, this just ain't worth it. I'm not going to be in the NFL and choose to just move on, which kind of happens a lot of times every spring, you know, every spring anyway. Um, for schools like USC or, you, you know, Washington's or those, those kind of schools, they might have more high-end talent opt out for the NFL. And then, you know, it remains to be seen how that all shakes out. It's it's really this is where if you could start this is where if you can start planning for this now you can think through all these things um, start thinking through it now if you're the Pac-12 uh, and and these schools that if you're trying to find a way by hook or crook to get some games in in the fall you just can't plan that far ahead. So you know we'll we'll see I guess. Well, it isn't also the rumor that some of the other conferences that plan on playing want to try to poach players from the Pac-12, which I don't know if they'd have the roster room to do that. So I, I don't worry about that. That's more like a funny thing, I think. But certainly if you're a Pac-12 player and you're watching the SEC play football, you're watching these other conferences play football and you're at home because your conference decided it wasn't safe, it's going to impact your perception of things. But another, I guess if you want to say benefit of this time off, well, Kevin Sumlin gets to keep his job for a while longer, at least, and we're getting to some of his uh, the recent recruiting success, more uh, recruiting success in a little bit. But you know, this is year three for Kevin Sumlin, and this was the pivotal year. 
year three for a lot of coaches when they say that's when you can really judge them because it's more their players making up the you know the bulk of the roster that's playing. And also the fact that he had two bad years to start, if he couldn't turn around year three, money not being an issue, that should be it. Well, now year three may not start. It's not going to start on time if it starts at all. And it just gives him more time to win. I, mean, I think he's managed this time pretty well. Right? Like, I think we're all fairly pleased with the coaching staff he assembled. Like, since they lost to ASU, the coaching staff seems to be better, especially defensive side. You're like, okay, I can work. Like, that, that makes sense. That's a good staff. Recruiting has been better than expected. And even, like, the players don't seem to be outside of, you know, Barola, don't seem to be really having issues with this coaching staff and the decisions they've been making. And whether it's someone or just, you know, Hiki, Robbins, and all the staff, they've managed this situation these last few months seemingly pretty well in a way that makes you feel good about, I guess, what they have been doing off the field. Yeah, I, you know, every, every everything that you've been seeing from the staff, you know, they're getting more time added on to that process and plan that we've been trying to say that to trust. And, you know, I think Kevin, someone uh, tasteless jokes uh, aside, uh, it's maybe having a having a celebratory drink, <laughs> knowing that he's got another year. Um, but yeah, it's obviously the coaching staff based on the recruiting pace and, you know, they've still been going about things in the right way. They're still doing their jobs. They're still trying to build the, the, the roster out. Um, and then I'm sure they're going to, you know, everything, you know, I follow a lot of the coaches on Twitter. They're still going through workouts. They're still trying to get to know their players. I think it's a net benefit for a team like Arizona, especially if they're going to be, you know, with all the new staff and all these young guys, but Hopefully we'll get to see it in the spring, but, you know. Well, another thing, let's pivot to basketball a little bit, too, because obviously now we're focusing on football and men's basketball because those are two of the biggest sports. Obviously, women's basketball, I mean, they, they got hosed from not having a tournament, too, last, uh, last March because that team, Adia Barnes, has them rolling and has a lot of great talent coming back this season. So I think for a lot of reasons, like this is Arizona, we want basketball, men's and women's this year. But the interesting thing, and I didn't even think of this, I'm reading – on Desert Summer, again, this one's Ryan's article, Ryan Calipire's article, is that the NBA early entry withdrawal deadline is August 17th. Now, it's August 12th when we're recording this. But there are certain players who might say, well, if there's not going to be a season until at least January, maybe they'll try to sneak into the NBA draft or at least make themselves eligible to go pro. And they could go overseas and play basketball, make some money, just whatever it is. But otherwise, it does sound like the foreign players are going to still make it to campus, which is a good thing. Right. And they'll have that time to, like, in theory, work with the coaches and get ready up to speed for a January start date, a January season. Now, Arizona does lose the non-conference schedule, which historically, at least recently, hasn't been all that exciting anyway. So it's OK, whatever. But it's it's interesting. Like the trickle down from this decision from the Pac-12, everyone's thinking football because football was first. But there's a lot of other sports, basketball, um, like yeah, volleyball, soccer, all these other sports that happen. And now they have to wait. Well, and does this mean that James Akinjo is eligible immediately without any waiver as well? Right, that's a good question. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how. I don't know if anybody. There's this is obviously all unprecedented. So, like, you know, we don't know what the answers to that those kind of things are either, right? Um, yeah, I, I think Dale and Terry and another couple of players are already on campus now, or came came in the last couple of days. Ben, I read Ben is on campus. 
Yeah, so, and then it sounds like we should be able to get the European guys and the international guys in, which I think will be good. Uh, I don't think uh, Arizona has any organized practices until September, though, which is later than a lot of other schools, I seem to recall reading. But, you know, getting everybody on campus, getting them, especially the international guys, getting them acclimated might be actually a benefit, right? Um, And then, you know... (laughs) I'm not sure if we had any games in the non-conference that were particularly going to be great for us. Uh, but, you know, for a team that we've talked about, it's probably going to be a different team by the end of the season uh, and show a lot of growth, at least our expectation is, over the course of it. Losing those games to kind of build that out, you know, is a little disappointing and maybe hurts Arizona's chances in terms of Pac-12 play. Yeah. But that could also be said for most uh, college basketball teams. I think I think ASU, given they've had some guys come back, looks increasingly strong because they have a lot more veterans on there that on mm-hmm. that roster that are, you know, don't need that learning curve or adjustment period like freshmen and uh, international guys do. Well, I wonder. I wonder some of the guys who declared for the draft and decided to come back. I wonder if they could be like, you know what, never mind, and go back into the draft pool if they decided that they didn't want to bother with a season that may not happen at all. You know, like. Because the NBA has shown they can have a season. They're playing a season right now in the bubble. Now, it's not the entire league, but the NBA has abilities to do it that college does not. And I do think college basketball has a better chance than college football. Fewer players, fewer coaches. You know, it's they can kind of bubble themselves in some ways. But this, to your point, is <laughs> I, I know some ASU fans, and they're, they just figure there's going to be no season at all that the, the year they have, like, this loaded roster. It's a good-looking roster, what they have, and these – you know, stud freshmen coming in. You know, one of them for sure is a one-and-done Christopher and watch there be no basketball season. <laughs> That's what they're thinking. So it's like, welcome to expecting the worst out of us, you know, uh, what should be a very good team. Like, this is what it's like, ASU. This is what it's like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, personally, I'm convinced we were going to make the Rose Bowl this year, damn it. <laughs> this was the year. <laughs> and they took it away from us. <laughs> I was really counting on the uh, reverse schedule have play one game and the FPI 52.5% uh, U of A win happening and we just end at 1-0. One and, one and Take back the Territorial Cup, go to the, call, it, call it a Rose Bowl, and be done with it. That, that, that would have worked for people, I think. But at the same time, we, we all wanted a season. Everybody wants seasons. Like we all, Even if Arizona football is going to be bad, we all wanted to see it happen. Right? It was such a pivotal year. Basketball... This recruiting class, this roster is so intriguing. Well, we want to see them on the floor together. We want to see these European guys, these international players who we haven't really seen much of other than highlights, but they've looked good in those highlights. We want to see it work because this is going to be actually a pivotal year for Sean Miller too because his recruiting is different. What are the fruits of that? Like, What does it show up like on the court? And everything is delayed these seasons, these pivotal seasons for football and basketball. Um, I will get back, though. We have one more break to take, right? And when we come back, Arizona football has made more inroads in recruiting, this time for a class that we imagine will get to start on time. But let's talk about that after this break. Okay, so Arizona recruiting apparently never stops, Brett. <laughs> they added a couple more guys for the 2021 class, but let's look at 2022, right? We think 2022 should happen. Like, if, if we're still struggling to have sports in 2022, then, oh, boy. that That's the thought I don't think any of us want to have. This week, in the last couple of days, they added commitments from a receiver, Keon Grays, from 
the Phoenix area. And then quarterback Trayson Borget, I want to say, Borgay. Neither one of these names are easy. I was going to let you let you run with it. Do you know it? I, I don't know. Okay, good. At least we're honest there. But these are two of the it's, better it's players. Mispronounce it as bourgeois. <laughs> like quarterback TB, as we'll call him. No, that's not great either, actually. No. Not to, no one knows like a pandemic raging. But yeah. <laughs> this is, there's a lot of people, and I said on the show before, I'm not one of those people that says Arizona needs to be getting all the talent from the state. I don't care where you get your players from, where you get your good players from, Arizona, California, Texas, Louisiana. It doesn't matter to me. But at the same time, when there is high-quality talent in the state, it is nice to have them commit to your school and want to go to the U of A. Yeah, and we, we've been joking about how the 2021 class was getting way too full. We need to slow down on recruiting. And Kevin Sumlin and staff tricked us. They said, ah, we're just going to move on to 2022 and pick up a couple really nice uh, Arizona guys. And so, you know, if if, the, if one of the big complaints and the big trends the last couple of years is not getting the local kids, you know, right now you got, I think all, they're both in the top 15 or so of the 2022 class with some pretty serious offers. Um, you know, you get, you got to feel pretty good about uh, what they're doing on there on the, on the recruiting trail. Of course, there's always a question. If you go to the boards, everybody's like, Oh, they're already going to decommit. Why do we even have a commit? And it's just like, you know, some people will never be happy and enjoy a moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's, we've said that about the 2021 class. Like, you know, until yeah. they sign, there's, and this is a weird time in both uh, Gray's and the quarterback, Trayson, you know, they each mentioned how just like this strange time is part of what led to their commitments, that they want us to be able to stay home and play in front of their family and all that. So there's so much that's fluid regarding well, just sports in the world as a whole right now. And of course, we're recruiting, never mind the fact that 17, 18, maybe in this case, 16 year old kids may not entirely be set on what they want to do. That's totally understandable. Well, and, and not just local kids, but local kids from schools that Arizona has, shall we say, tr in the last decade or so, really struggled to uh, recruit mm -hmm. in both South Point and I believe uh, Gray's is Chandler High. Chandler, yeah, and he's the, rated right now as the number six player in Arizona by Two Four Seven Sports. Which Arizona's uh, recruiting clap? I spoke real well there. Recruiting class. The state of Arizona, not Arizona Wildcats. Uh, over the last decade, if you if you if you haven't been paying attention, the talent level in Arizona has consistently climbed, and that's and the the challenges for both Arizona and ASU that all those top flight kids have been generally trying to jump to bigger programs or bigger names. Gray's offer list included Michigan State, UCLA, ASU, Miami, Oregon State, Iowa State. It's a good offer list. Yeah, which is why Arizona fans go, uh, he has the plans for now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if he, he I think you're I think you're hit on something where maybe there a, a longer or midterm impact of coronavirus is a lot of these kids maybe see the value in staying closer to home and where their family doesn't have to get on a plane to come see them play cuz, you know, hate to break it to you, a year from now we might have coronavirus under control, but it's not going to probably be a zero percent risk um so like maybe there's a lot of impact to that and maybe some of these kids want to stay closer where they're not trying to just get away right um and hopefully arizona can take advantage of that and they're off to a hell of a start so far with the 2022 class 
Yeah, and especially in a time when, and we've talked about this with the 2021 class, that someone's done a really good job in a situation where you think he'd be struggling knowing that he is legitimately on the hot seat. But he can still, I mean, obviously he's still working. He's still planning as if he will be around in 2022, which you want him to do. And so these players, and like, unless someone wins games, you can't keep him around, right? Like, I mean, if he if was recruiting top 10 classes and not winning games, and you still couldn't keep him around because that'd be ridiculous. But he seems to be kind of getting back to that recruiter mode that people thought he was really good. And again, he's not getting top 25 classes, right? We understand that. But the recruiting has improved. Now, whether it's something on his end, maybe it's the coaching stuff he's helped assemble, or he's whatever vision he's selling them on is coming through. Either way, he has been stronger in an area that he was supposed to be strong in, but had been struggling. Yeah, and I think the 2021 class has at least the potential to say end up in around you know the 40s maybe sneak into the high the late the high 30s if we can uh, land a couple higher rated guys like star players but if you end up in the in the 40s i think that's a pretty solid class for for arizona historically uh and if you if you believe the notion that some of these guys are perhaps underrated then that that class ranking inherently is underrated and the fact that they can't take visits to all these other schools during coronavirus means the chance of them flipping is probably a little bit lower right but you still have to sell them right they still get asu yeah. with all the buzz that's around the sun devils right now i mean the receiver from chandler he had an offer from asu he chose arizona now maybe he didn't want to play kind of in his backyard like that's possible right like he's like i went to u of a in large parts i'm like well i want to be in state i grew up in phoenix but i didn't want to be right at home you know, yeah, so that's away, but not away. Yeah, so maybe that maybe that's his mentality too. But either way, Arizona, like players are still going to other schools. You still have to win recruiting battles, and until they sign on the dotted line, until they send their LOI in, you technically haven't won that yet. But Arizona, like if nothing else, as long as these guys are committed to Arizona, and another quarterback, I think I read that he was saying that he's going to try to recruit more local kids and you know keep everyone to stay home and all that. Like that matters. And especially right now when there's so much uncertainty, like they're going to want to play with their friends. They're going to want to play where they're going to be comfortable. And if Arizona can show that they're comfortable and their players are comfortable with what they're doing, then that's how you can maybe build this and how you could kind of rise from the ashes, so to speak, of this 2020 that's been an absolute dumpster fire for college athletics, which followed a 2019 that for football was even, you know, was also awful. Like there is a path forward and maybe they're on it. Maybe. Yeah. And, you know, uh, all three of Stevie Rocker, Grays, and Trey, as his friends call him. <laughs> as as we call him now. <laughs> <laughs> or as we call him, Ben. <laughs> um, you know, all of them are actually on the same uh, uh, Tucson based seven on seven program. And that's how, like, a lot of the high end, like, skill players, uh, they, they often get recruited in groups like that. And that's, you know, that's a way you can really leverage that and those relationships to try to establish that kind of pipeline as well as you develop the relationships with the guys that run those teams. And, you know, if you're getting those guys across a couple of years, you know, if you assume you can keep Stevie Rocker, if they have, if he has a good relationship with Grays and Trey or Ben, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that probably increases the likelihood of your ability to hold on to them. Right. And when you have a class with what I think 22 commits in 2021 right now, you know, it's, it's, there, there's a balance of trying to get guys to commit and trying to wait and pursue the guys that are high rated at the end, right? Yeah. And you, you don't want to be having only 10 commits trying to fill 15 guys because you could be left, uh, you know, in the musical chairs game 
uh, with nowhere to sit, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but you also don't want to have, you know, do the rich rod thing and commit with too many guys too early and then be like, uh, maybe your scholarship's not as safe. Maybe you should think about, you know, some smaller school. But when you can make inroads at programs like you were talking about, like Chandler is not a place that Arizona has often poached top talent from. South Point, they should be getting talent from. Everybody's always disappointed when guys leave, you know, from South Point to go elsewhere. Arizona, it's, it's always like you want to get the best players, but obviously if there's really high-end talent in your backyard, it's disappointing when you don't get them. Now, is Trey on the level of B. John Robinson or Lathan Ransom? No, doesn't seem to be. But he looks like he's a three-star quarterback who had an offer from Vanderbilt right now, and obviously he's still young. His offer list could conceivably grow in the future as he would play more. And I know his brother is over at ASU, so that's kind of fun. But also, this is Arizona. Is this Arizona's quarterback for the 2022 class? If so, that's great. You know, you have Gunnell this year still. You have uh, Millen. You have Will Plummer. You have Trey. Your quarterback room is set for the next few seasons, few years, to where you feel comfortable. And when your quarterbacks are set, then those skill position players often will follow to what you, what you were saying. So yeah. it's in a time where they can't win games, it does, and I don't want to say Arizona's winning the offseason, but they're certainly competing in the offseason in a way that they didn't compete the last time they were on the field. Yeah, I mean, for all things considered, you know, you got to feel generally good about the direction of the program long term in the short term with, you know, Tony Fields and, you know, if Colin Schooler sits out, obviously that that's creating more challenges and all the mass exodus of the safeties, mm -hmm. which could be a good or bad thing, depending on your perspective <laughs> um, based on historical performance. But, you know, I, I, I feel like someone and crew aren't they're not getting everything exactly the way they want it but I think they're getting it right and what they want more often than not. And I think that that is building the foundation as long as they're able to win enough games to stay around for it, where you might see this in, you know, one, two, three years. It certainly makes you less wanting to get rid of him when he's recruiting at a decently high level. Again, these aren't top 25 classes. They're not even like top 40 yet, but it does seem to be an improvement. And all we wanted to see, I think in year three was improvement. Like preferably on the field, too. But show that there is progress being made, that last year, four wins was rock bottom, and now you're working your way back with players who fit the system that someone wants to run. Like, if you do that, then you can say, this can work, but we won't know for sure until we see it on the field. Yeah, I mean, as we've said a number of times, it's a results-based, uh, <laughs> you know, business, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that. The Pac-12 may not want to call it a business right now. <laughs> but... You know, at the end of the day, Kevin, someone's going to be held accountable. And I think the, the, the delay of fall sports bought him a little bit more time and the defensive staff a little more time. Now, what they do with it is going to show up probably quicker than we think on the field, whenever that is. But until then, showing up in recruiting. So that's the only places where Arizona can have success. They seem to be having a decent amount. So I think we should end this show on that happy note because there's, it has not been the best week for – well, anybody sports fans, really, especially college sports fans in the Pac-12. But just because there aren't games happening, there won't be games happening for, uh, you know, at the earliest, another few months, you know, almost four months, doesn't mean that good things can't happen for the programs. And at least for football, getting a couple in-state recruits, guys that are pretty highly rated, top 20, one number six in the state, recruit for 2022, that's a nice thing. That's a step forward. It's something to be pleased with in a week where there wasn't much happiness to go around. So... I feel good about that. Yeah. 
And, you know, the one thing we do know for sure, Arizona football undefeated in 2020. There you go. So, everyone, thank you for listening to this week's show. Just because there's not anything going on, I guess, in sports, we're still going to be doing this every week. I always try to do it every week. You know, by all means, send us your questions if you have any. Wildcat Radio AZ on Twitter. That's our account there. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on pretty much any podcast platform you can find. We're going to find Wildcat Radio 2.0 on there. Keep tuning in for the play-by-plays of old games because just because not new games doesn't mean there aren't old games. I guess the one nice thing, you know, Bryant and the crew have been taking care of and having some fun doing that. So, yeah, we'll be back at this next week, hopefully with more positive news with recruiting and other Arizona-related things. But until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>